Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go on this week in Believe in Horse Racing. I'm so excited. This is the kind of conversation that I've been waiting decades to have. I have two of the three owners of a Kentucky Derby contender coming up this week at Churchill Downs. There are now 18 horses that are gonna be running in the Kentucky Derby. One of those horses will have two owners. They're African-American. And they come in here with some dreams to really shake things up. And this year's Kentucky Derby, there is a lot happening surrounding the event. So it's conflicting emotions for our guests here today. They are part of the ownership of Necker Island, who is going to be uh, one of your longer prices in the Kentucky Derby. Standing by with Greg Harbutt and Ray Daniels, both uh, in Kentucky. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Same deal. Afternoon to you. Thanks for having us. So I'll help you guys identify that first voice. That was Greg, and the second voice was Ray. Um, we'll have a, a lot of um, history on both these two gentlemen. But, man, first I want to ask you the simple question. Ray, I'm going to start with you. What does this moment right now feel like for you? Um, you know, this is uh, an unbelievable moment that, to me, is uh, even more heightened uh, with the backdrop of what's going on uh, with our with our social justice causes in America right now. And when you combine that with uh, Greg Harvard's history and his family's generational history in this business, uh, it, it, this is just a magical moment. Uh, and quite frankly, after, after going to the draw today, um, you know, no matter what happens Saturday, I feel like we've already won. Absolutely. Just getting here is a journey in and of itself. And, and Greg, obviously, uh, a lot of folks are probably aware by now, I hope they are, of your outstanding history and your legacy. You are born into this sport, which is something that we don't often hear people say about black people. But yet it's, it's unbelievably true in huge numbers. But you have the great legacy as uh, your grandfather, Will, was a groom for the great man of war. And you carry that, that legacy with you. So what is this moment like for you and your family? A good question. As you mentioned, I, uh, as you said, I am a third generation uh, horseman. My uh, great grandfather was a groom of man of war. And my grandfather, Tom Harvard, uh, was a very well-noted horseman in his own right. Uh, and to be in the Kentucky Derby, first and foremost, I, I work in the business, but I'm a fan of it. And anyone who gets involved in the business, whether you be a trainer, jockey, breeder, or owner wants to have some type of participation uh, in the Kentucky Derby. So from that standpoint, to be able to participate means the world to me. But from a personal standpoint, uh, my grandfather actually owned the horse that ran in the 1962 Kentucky Derby. So to have multi-lineage as an African-American in this sport uh, and multi-lineage in the Kentucky Derby, man, I mean, it, it just means the world to me. I'm a mix of emotions right now. I'm just trying to harness that until race day on Saturday. And so, Greg, I, I kind of want to jump into that right there, because the first thing that I thought about was the, let's say, the social conditions and the environment and the circumstances surrounding the events when your family members were involved. And I feel like it might be safe to say that no one in your family has ever been able to physically go to the Kentucky Derby and watch their horse? 
Correct. That's a is uh, that correct? true statement. My uh, grandfather was a breeder and co-owner of a horse by the name of Touchball who ran in the 62 Derby. Uh, he was very proud of the fact that his horse was able to run in the Derby. But just to, due to the social climate and racial injustices of African-Americans, uh, he wasn't able to attend the race. And not only was he not able to attend the race, his name wasn't even allowed to be listed as a owner uh, of the horse. Uh, so that is something he was very proud of as far as being the breeder and owner. But obviously, up until, you know, he transitioned, uh, was very upset and angry uh, that he was not able to participate fully uh, in the Kentucky Derby. So now you will have the chance to do that. But even this year, it's it's lost a lot of its luster. And the, the reason why we do this is that moment, that walkover in front of all of those people. And... I'm just a little uh, upset that <laughs> I won't be able to sit on my couch and cry with you on that walk over because that walk over is going to be amazing. And that is the, that is the thing. That's that moment that everyone works so hard for and that we as people have been denied that chance to walk that horse over to win that Kentucky Derby. So I'm kind of upset that we're not going to be able to have that. But I kind of want to delve into something that's part of that. And Ray, you two are so calm and so generous. And I know you've maybe heard me speak before, maybe seen my online presence. I am the opposite. I'm angry about this every single minute of every day. How are you guys carrying yourselves? And how do you not let that anger come to the, to the surface? Well, I think um, for me, uh, I think we, I just have to acknowledge, you know, that um, the movement that we're currently undergoing is that uh, we support it. I support it wholeheartedly. Uh, I'm 100% behind Black Lives Matters. I'm, a, I'm behind Breonna Taylor's families in, the, in their fight for justice. Uh, and I understand that there's systemic racism that is embedded in our culture. Um, and I'm not naive to think that this racism is not also embedded in horse racing. As well, as well, or the thoroughbred industry as a whole. Um, and I just think that we're committed to participating in this race and it's just for the fact that we can expose more African-Americans, more black and brown people to the careers, the opportunities, the ownership that they can have in this industry. This is a hundred billion dollar industry, a hundred billion dollars employs almost a million people in this country. And we can be more inclusive to what happens. We can control what happens. And it all starts with ownership, in my, in my opinion. So we can show our support, which we are. And you know, our support is not only verbal, it's emotionally. We're emotionally supportive and we're financially supportive of the movement. Uh, but at the same time, we understand how historically important this moment is. Because you know, quite frankly, my hopes is that we breed a whole bunch of African-American syndicates out of this is that we take this ownership movement forward and we progress it and we move it across the country. I am with that 110%. I am right there with you on that. Um, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you have thought of everything, but have you, and I'll ask you this, Greg, and you can answer as well, Ray, have you thought of maybe anything that you would do in the winner circle? Maybe a John Carlos, Tommy Smith moment. Where you both don the black glove, put your fist in the air and your head down after winning the Kentucky Derby. Have you considered anything like that if that moment was yours? 
I personally have not. I would probably be such a ball of an emotion sitting that ground like um, <laughs> <laughs> charging down the lane. Uh, <laughs> I just hope I have enough strength to walk over it you know, <laughs> into into the winner's circle. Uh, but, you know, I'm just trying to take it day by day. A lot can happen, as we saw with Art Collector between now and the race. So I'm just taking it day by day, moment by moment, as far as my emotions and, and, and what's next. And I, I'd say in that regard, uh, I will lean on my creative nature, and I'm sure I will do something creative and supportive <laughs> of our movement. I'm positive of that. Okay, so now I'm starting to figure this dynamic out a little bit. Greg, you're the more reserved, and Raymond, you're the more passionate. We, we both can get pretty passionate. It just depends on the moment. But uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be a ball of emotion, regardless of, of his placement in the race. So I just hope I can compose myself well enough and, and keep it together. I, I love what you're doing together. And I love what you said as well, Raymond, about uh, this breeding an entire slew of, of syndicate of uh, ownership and syndicate groups as they continue moving forward. Um, I wonder, you know, we can't necessarily do these things, I guess, uh, out in the open or can we? And I guess my question is, how much would you push to try to find a black jockey to ride your horses? Is that something that is uh, something that you think is important or you feel like you just get to that organically? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we always try to find the best available that we can. Uh, depending upon what racetracks. Uh, the problem that we find ourselves in is there's just not a lot of black African-American jockeys as a whole on some of the major circuits. Uh, we had a horse uh, at Indiana Grand. Uh, Deshaun Parker, who's an African-American, is a leading rider. We tried to get Deshaun Parker initially. We couldn't get Deshaun. Uh, we ran another horse there. There's an African-American there by the name of Malcolm Franklin, who's a great rider. And we were able to obtain his services. Uh, but as a whole and as a general practice, what we do as a syndicate is try to find the best riders to fit our particular horses. That's a great business answer. But let's be realistic. You're now in the position of power. It is your syndicate. You can choose whatever jockey you want. Is it too far? Is it too much to ask for you to say, you know what, what we want to do is we want to, because there are, they may not be in every major circuit, but there are quite a few talented black jockeys out there. Would that be something you would consider as an initiative to say, you know what, we want to try to make sure that we give that that rider the first opportunity on our horse? Or is that too much? Uh, you know, I don't think it's too much. I think, uh, you know, we, we have, we're in the middle of our second syndicate. Uh, and, you know, like I've stated before, our, you know, our plan is to have 100 syndicates running around this country. Uh, and I think as we move forward, we have try to mentally prepare uh, talent and try to assess talent. And that's from the trainer position and from the jockey position. But as we gain more notoriety, when we ask some of these African-American riders, hopefully their availability will become open or more available to us. And we're also looking at some of our syndicates being, you know, having African-American trainers working with some of the syndicates. So, you know, that's something we put some thought into. We know that that would be a slower growth aspect of it because we've got to convince those folks that are doing in those roles to trust us as well as we're going to trust them. So, you know, that's a maturing relationship that I think we're beginning to have those conversations and I can see us moving in that direction somewhere down the road. I'm thinking about the, the progress that we are attempting to make in our, this country. And then I'm looking at the progress that we are attempting to make in this industry. 
I feel like it's easier for progress in this country than it is in this industry. How do you feel about the direction this industry is going and if we are um, going in the right direction for progress? And uh, I'll start with Greg. Uh, you know, as a whole in this industry, I, I, I think there's much work that needs to be done and, and, and should be done. Um, it's, it's amazed me within the past months leading off with the Van Meter comment, uh, how much discussion has come about. Uh, I've been in the business for quite some time now and it's never been on the table or topic of discussion, diversity and inclusion. So the fact that we're having the conversations is very positive and it's very uplifting, but I just don't want us to lose sight of the end goal which is to be actual positions at the table and for us to be in decision-making uh, positions as opposed to us just having conversations and nothing comes about those uh, conversations. It's, it's, it's a great industry that we're in. A lot of the people that we interact with on a day in and day out basis are very welcoming, they're very accommodating uh, and they're inclusive, but you do have a, a, a facet of the industry. Uh, they probably would not want to see people uh, of minority backgrounds in this business. And that's just something that we have to uh, talk about, formulate a game plan and implement that game plan. Hey, Raymond, I was thinking about, um, you used to own uh, numerous Waffle House franchises, is that correct? Okay, so when I would go on the road every once in a while, I'm from California, so we don't really have Waffle House. Here. That's correct. Mm -hmm. So I would stop in a Waffle House every once in a while. And I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was cool. What is the big draw of Waffle House? Why does everyone love that place so much? I think it's the uh, open and friendly atmosphere. Um, you know, we're one of the few places, if not the only places, that have an open kitchen uh, where you can actually see and in interact with the person that's actually cooking your food. So it's not only the person taking your order or the person cooking your food or the person in the booth next to you. Uh, it's just a totally interactive process that goes on from them calling out your order for them plating your food. And I think people get a kick out of that. People like the, the, the way it's personalized. Uh, I have found that in my travels. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's the only place out there, the best place out there to, to fill your stomach up after you had a couple of drinks. So that <laughs> there, no, that's it right there. You, <laughs> that that you buried the lead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the reason right there. <laughs> so, okay. You've got a plan, I would assume, for Derby Day, right? And I also would like to think that you may have um, a ritual, a routine, or maybe even something that brings you good luck. Raymond, is there anything of that nature that you have to do on that day or anything you have to have with you? Uh, you know, I, I think for me, uh, you know, my good luck charm is that I'll, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be lucky enough to have my wife with me. Uh, and I think to me, once I have her, I've never ever, stand in a room with her feeling like I can't get anything done or anything accomplished. And so if that happens, I'll be in great shape. Man, that's a good answer. I don't know how you're going to come close to that, Greg, but good luck. <laughs> well, I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, uh, my parents will be in attendance with me uh, for this year's race at Kentucky Derby. Neither of my parents have ever attended a race, uh, have attended the races with me. So in saying that, I believe both of from that standpoint, uh, I'll be blessed in having their presence there. Probably wake up, say a morning prayer with both of my parents, 
uh, have a mimosa to kill the chills, and uh, <laughs> the rest is out of my hands. <laughs> Man, Greg and Raymond, you guys are living um, the dream for so many people, but it's such, um, it's so much deeper for African Americans. Like I told you before, I regret that I'm not going to be able to, I'll be crying with you on the couch, you know, when they walk the horse over, because it's such an important moment. It's such a beautiful journey. And if you guys win, oh my goodness, that's just going to be the most incredible thing that I think we will ever see. And so I wish you all of the luck. And I'm just so excited for you and your families to be able to share in that moment. And uh, I'll be there with you. We'll all be there with you. That's for sure. We appreciate it, Ken. Yeah, appreciate you. the support. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll be a great movement and moment for us all. Uh, win, loser, job. And if you don't mind, if you guys get into the winner's circle, if you want to just stand there in front of everybody and scream, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Now, Ray, you probably, you probably don't know the backstory on that. Uh, Ken, Ken picked a horse named Giacomo, uh, who went off wow. in the wrong odds. And, and as he crossed the finish line, uh, <laughs> it was a mix of emotions, and he came on air doing that. So. You'll probably see either Ray or I do something very soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Raymond, go look it up on YouTube. I will. You'll see I am. Should I get off all of the emotion and the passion and just the want. All of the want is right there on the screen. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Have a great, great week. Good luck. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You as well. It's been all a pleasure. Right. Thank you. Three, two. All right, here we go. We continue with our Kentucky Derby episode here on Believe in Horse Racing. And now we got my brothers in the house. Everybody say ho! Ho! Yes, there it is. Okay, uh, we'll call you out as we get started. Um, it's our man from Florida. Just got himself a brand new house. Hope everything is fantastic. Barry Spears, are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate the love, man. Of course, always good to have you here. Um, he is a... Uh, He's part of our education system, and he's under duress right now, so we want to find out if everything is okay with him in Atlanta, Georgia. It is Christopher Higgins. Hey, Christopher. Hey, guys. Um, everything is good. Doing digital learning, all is well. Good to hear. And he is an important member of one of the biggest hospitals in all of Chicago. He's a busy man, and he's still taking public transit, and he's repping for Chicago like nobody's business. Leon Gordon Camps, are you in the building? I'm here. I'm here. Blessed, blessed and highly favored. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. It's time for the brotherhood. <laughs> All right. It's time for the brotherhood to get down with this Kentucky Derby. Um, I didn't tell you guys this, but I wanted to spring it on your surprise. Uh, before we sat down to talk, I sat down with Greg Harbutt and Raymond Daniels. Oh, wow. Two of the owners of Necker Island. Oh, that's what's up one of your Kentucky Derby runners. And of course, those two black gentlemen um, got involved in the syndicate and now they get a chance to do this thing. And it's so cool um, because you guys know the story. Greg's like third generation horseman. His grandfather had a horse that was in the Kentucky Derby in 1962. His great grandfather was the groom for the great man of war. So he's got all this beautiful history. And so I just wanted to I talk with them and they, uh, they don't really have any big plans. I asked them if they're going to do any demonstration in the winter circle if they win. They're not going to. 
but hopefully they'll have a good race. Absolutely. So I want to get, oh, by the way, is anybody here picking Necker Island? No, I'm rooting for Necker Island. Okay, but you're not going to pick them. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the Maybe. same camp. I, I, I definitely root for them every time, but uh, I'm not picking Necker Island. Exactly. All right, and with that, let's get into it. Let's talk about this Kentucky Derby. I don't even know, like it's all coming into the Derby. I, I've always loved it because, you know, it's a challenge. At, when you're doing this in May, you've got usually 23-year-olds who've never seen a mile and a quarter. So it's really all about your handicapping for, for pedigree and for stamina and the trainer and everything. But now here we are in September. Barry, how did you approach handicapping the Derby? It's, it's so strange. Um, this year is, is definitely, you know, definitely an, an anomaly. Um, so many things are so different than the norm. Um, then we had a scratch the other day. So there's a lot of things going on. I, I don't, however, think that uh, Tis the Law is such a slam dunk. Um, you know, as much as the horse is, is probably, at least speed figure-wise, better than everybody else, he's been doing that for a long time. I mean more or less i'd say going back to his first race and he's been in great form he, he could definitely be that good but um I, i'm gonna try to look for some value elsewhere with a horse that a lot of people might not be considering oh okay hold on you just set it up i'm gonna come back to you christopher how did you approach the kentucky derby handicapping this year i basically um broke it down to about five or six horses that I think have a chance to actually win and you know beat the law so that's my approach to it um there's some horses that has run that have run on um, pretty good numbers in this race you know coming into the race so i don't think tis the law is this um major standout and especially at three to five coming from the 17 hole mm, I'm, I'm i'm looking elsewhere to find value uh -huh. and, um, legit value that can take him down I like that. Okay. So we've gotten the approach from the first two. Don't give out the picture yet, of course. Leon, how do you approach the Kentucky Derby, especially this year? Uh, well, I, I mean, this year especially, I mean, this is, you know, the first time that I've ever seen a, uh, a horse that's odds on, you know, three to five. And anytime you hear that a, a horse is unbeatable, you know, or you just see so many people that are just saying this horse can't lose, then I'm automatically, just because that's the way I think, I'm automatically thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to prove to them that, this, <laughs> yeah. you know, this horse can be beat since everyone else thinks that, it, that it's impossible. So, uh, you know, with that being said, I'm also uh, looking uh, – at the mother, yeah, law. exactly. Looking at okay. some, some other angles. All right, so here we go. We bring it here to uh, this year's Kentucky Derby. All right, so Barry, if um, I mean we all know Tis the Law is impressive. Where do you start? How are you going to beat Tis the Law? Well, this is the thing. I went through the past performances and I looked at all the horses, and. You know, once Art Collector scratched, it changed the complexion of the race um, a lot, at least for me. And then the, the post position draw made a big difference for me, too. Um, with that being said, there's a lot of horses in here that, that 
technically just don't belong. Um, more than half the field, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, so it was kind of where I landed was kind of, uh, you know, just by attrition, you know, just, just getting rid of all the horses that I didn't think could win and what I was left with. Okay, so tell me who you got rid of. I got rid of uh, Sol Volante because I think he probably is a turf horse. Storm the Court hasn't run fast enough. Uh, same thing with Winning Impression. Uh, Necker Island is a dead closer and they have a lot of trouble in a race like this. Major Fed falls into that category as well. Uh, the one-ed horse, Finnick the Fierce, is another one that, that is just not fast enough. Attachment rate kind of is, is in the middle of the pack there. I, I think he has a good shot to hit third or fourth, but not a win candidate. So he was out. New York traffic, what jumped out at the page for me for him, is he doesn't pass horses. So I, I don't think he can go head and head with a horse like Authentic and Survive. Um, then comes Max Player, who's kind of like a record player, just runs the same race, finishes, you know, decently, but not good enough to win a race like this. Uh, King Guillermo was a throwout based on he hasn't run literally in four months, almost to the day. That's that's the wise guy horse, though. The of uh, I hope I hope he gets all the wise guy money too, because there, there's no way I could bet a horse that at a mile and a quarter who's never been that distance off a four-month layoff. He looks great training, though. I, I, I have to admit, if, there, if anybody stands out training-wise, it's him. Um, He's going to make the greatest mid-race move in the history of the Derby. Probably, <laughs> and, and flatten out. Yep, um, yep. Thousand words, he was a tough call for me. I thought he was, he was very good in his last race, and he seems to be on the improve. But his last two races, he, he faced a grand total of eight horses between the two races um, and, and didn't win both of them. <laughs> he only won right. one of them. Um, authentic, I, I thought he, although I have a future bet on him, I, I just don't think he wants the mile and a quarter. So that leaves me with money moves. He's the only one that I really didn't have a knock on. He hasn't really done anything yet. His speed figures are, are, are on par, um, and he looks to be on the improve. Now, Pletcher's statistics, uh, second off the layoff and 31 to 61 days are very good. So I'm, I'm assuming that this horse is going to be running his best race under these conditions on Saturday. Um, I just saved money. I like I liked his last race a lot. He's stepping up. His last race buyer number wise was a ninety-eight. He finished second, but he was coming. They paid nine hundred and seventy-five thousand for him, so this isn't a stretch as far as his class and 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 his uh, you know how he got to this point. Um, with everybody else being so bad, uh, he's the only one I didn't have a knock on, and I, and I think that you know his his drawing the seven post really made a, a good impression because the 15, 16, 17, and 18 definitely have to fight for position up front first. So I, I think this horse might be in the second tier. And if he has any run, he's going to come running. Wait a minute. 
You're telling me you're picking money moves in the Kentucky Derby? That's who I'm picking. Wow. I was kind of surprised too. Wow. Okay. Wow. Nice. Yikes. Out the box. Hot. (laughs) Okay. Matt Carruthers also, he said his second pick. He says, Tis the Law is his first pick, but he says his second pick, money moves. Wow. Wow. All right. Okay. All right, then. There it is. Barry is on uh, on record with the seven money moves. Todd Pletcher. I guess in a year like this, it would be something like this, where a horse who's only had three starts and now second off the layoff, and no one has seen the horse really in, in a long time, and wins the Kentucky Derby. That's the kind of year it is. All right, 2020. So uh, <laughs> we got to move on. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go to Leon. Leon, what do you got? Uh, well, so what I've been looking at is, uh, you know, I've really been kind of, um, especially the fact that you got pretty much what's considered the, the top three are all next to each other uh, at the end. And I was looking at time form and, you know, time form was predicting that, authentic was going to go straight to the front and NY traffic is going to go somewhere in the maybe third or fourth. And I just feel like, you know, Paco Lopez is always known for trying to get to the front with uh, even horses that aren't, aren't really even bred for that, but he still loves to go to the front. So I'm actually thinking that the 15 uh, NY traffic is going to go to the front and is going to try to get into an early duel with Tis the Law. And I just got a feeling, you know, kind of similar to you remember the uh, the 2012 Derby when Trinidad and uh, Bodie Meister were kind of going at it early. And then... um, yeah, I'll have another one now. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And, uh, basically, yeah. and so Bodie Meister kind of ran out of gas a little bit at the end there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen. And I just feel like Honor AP, you know, John Sheriffs, everyone has kind of mentioned that he didn't necessarily have Honor AP all the way ramped up for uh the uh, shared belief stakes right and so they kind of feel like he's kind of getting them ready now and he's a little bit different as far as his training style is and i just feel like he's gonna surprise everyone on saturday well i guess you shouldn't say too much of a surprise the uh the odds are probably going to still be around that five to one nine to two range i mm-hmm. think I think you might float up. Here's another good sign. The last time John Sheriffs won the Kentucky Derby was 2005. Hey. And the <clears throat> and the thing he did, his final workout with Giacomo, is a seven furlong workout. Uh oh. If you look at the other trainers, they don't do that. They're all doing five furlong workouts. John Sheriffs last workout honor AP seven furlongs. Mm. He does that to get that extra bottom. He does it to get that extra layer of fitness. And I remember it was so key because when I spoke with Mike Smith on the phone after the workout was Giacomo. And they were like, yeah, man, he just put in a bullet seven furlong. He's ready. And I was like, why seven? He's like seven to give him some more stamina, get some more air in his lungs. 
I was like, oh. And it's an elongated sprint, sort of the seven furlong. You get more of a gallop out. So you got another seven furlong workout in honor AP. There we go. All right. Leon's on the board. Honor AP. Okay, Christopher. What you got? Um... Well, Barry basically broke it down and, you know, to uh, which to throw out and and which one won't get the mile and a quarter and stuff like that. And that's the same approach that I took towards the um, handicap in the race was basically just tossing out those who I, you know, that we'll see in a claiming race or an allowance race in the future and those that won't get the mile and a quarter. And what I was left with was the horse that Leon likes. I mean, that's... I really like honor AP, but um, I'm gonna be a a team player and jump off, and I'm really going to go towards attachment rate. And this is the reason I'm going towards attachment rate. Bread top and bottom for the Derby distance. The horse has been just improving. The the bluegrass got bothered at the start, bumped, wasn't into the race. Ran a good um, second at um, at Ellis, even though he was beaten three and a quarter. But he ran a good second at Ellis. Um, working okay. I think Dale, Dale Romans know how to get them ready. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to land on attachment rate in 50 to 1. Wow. I really believe this horse can um, get a piece of it. Because a, a lot of these horses, like, like Leon was saying, a lot of these horses are going to go to – close to the lead or on the lead. I mean, if you go through the PPs, that is, that is how they run. Mm-hmm. You know, um, finish, finish the fence, throw it, throw, throw that one out, totally out. I don't care what people are saying about Max Player switching the barn, going to Asmussen from Linda Rice and, you know, the improvement and Santana is jumping on the board. Toss that one out. Enforceable garbage. <laughs> Storm the court. Storm the court, not good enough. Okay, major fed, just like just like just like Barrett was breaking it down. Major fed, not good enough. King Guillermo is a very interesting horse, and I, and I know that Barry said that the layoff and all that stuff, but this 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 little sucker is going to be in in the second flight and could get the jump on those that's coming back. And then you know, money moves. I can't understand that pick. South Bend. <laughs> 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 South Bend. I hope I'm wrong, Barry. I hope I'm wrong. South Bend. And Thousand Words is a very interesting horse because the, the top side, Pioneer of the Mile, Pioneer of the Nile, you know it's going to get the, the, the mile and a quarter on the top side. But the bottom side is Pomeroy, who's a, who was a sprinter. Right. So, you know, throw that one out too. Sola Valente, I'm not even paying attention. And, um, you know, and go all the way down to Honor AP and Tis the Law, who I think are the two top horses in the race. Authentic, I just don't think it's going to get it. So the 16 and 17 horses, I think, are the best horses in the race. And since I believe that some of the horses are going to be coming back, then I'm, I'm going to land on attachment rate. Just in case, just in case Tis the Law get hang, hang up in traffic, or Honor AP can't work his way through traffic, an attachment rate is able to get the run on them. So I'm going to go with an attachment rate, even though a win place wager is going on Honor AP as well. In Honor AP, <laughs> the horse has never been out of the money. 
never been high money. Right. Yeah, well, neither is authentic. Well, but so authentic, authentic is like, <laughs> it's not going to be very authentic in this one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, if he happens to win, I'm not going to be mad because I got a future. Oh, bet that'd on be him. awesome. But I mean, if this horse gets the mile and a quarter, I mean, I'll be very, well. I'll be very. The, the only thing I can say about that is the way they run races nowadays. It's fathomable that he could get lone lead no. and slow everybody no. up. No. You wouldn't think so, but I, I mean, the way they run races now, it's 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 not like it used to be. Bro, Storm the Court is going to be pressing the pace. I mean, oh no, that horse is slow. Storm, 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 you, don't, you don't think Storm the Court is going to be pressing the pace? No. Oh, Storm the Court. Yeah, who authentic or Storm the Court? He's not fast. He's going to press. He's not fast. He's going to, he's not, he may, yeah, he's, he might try. He may not be fast enough yeah, on the exactly. tire number, but on out of the gate number, he's going to be cooking. Nah, there, there's faster horses. Like New he's York traffic, get beat up. Past it. New York traffic's never won a race without being in front, mm-hmm. and he's right. never passed any horses, okay. so he has okay, to go. Barry. And that's what that was what I was saying. And with, when with Paco, you know, Paco's going to gun him to the right. front Speed right riders. away. Speed riders. Yeah, he's gonna Barry, go. Barry. We have certain horses that's gonna be up front. Authentic is gonna be up front. Um, traffic is gonna be in the money. The king is gonna be in the money from the start. Thousand words gonna be there. And all of these horses. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly I it this is the way I looked at it is there's no reason for Authentic not to be on the lead. He has to go. Well, and there's nobody quicker well, than him. Well, I hope him. he can clear from 18. He, he has to. If he doesn't, he's, he's really and That screwed. is my thing. I don't but, think he's right. going to clear from 18. I really don't think he's going to clear from 18. I mean, my derby horse from way, way back before all of this corona thing came was the dog. <laughs> that was my pick. That would have been my pick today. You know? And Mm-hmm. All these other horses, I, I mean, I know it's kind of mean of me to say they're going to be in claiming and allowance races in the future. But some of these horses are, well, no, that's that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, these horses, these horses are, are are not very good. No, they aren't. And and as far as speed, I got thousand words. Uh huh. New York traffic. Right. Honor AP's got to be four. But he won't. Place. He, he won't, can't he just won't hang be out. in the in the mix up front. Uh huh. He he he's got to go though. He he can't he can't let those horses get in front of him like that, so he's got to get positioned. Tis the law has definitely got to get positioned, and authentic has to go. And to that's the front. why I think, and that is why I think everybody uh-huh. else, everybody else except for maybe King Guillermo, and Money Moves, don't have the speed to to, to hang. Hatchman Reed doesn't have the speed either. No, hey, he's a closer. He's a closer. And that's why I think so, that's why I think Leon was right when he said the pace is going to cook because all those speed those three coming from the 16, 17, and eighteen, they have to break well and try to clear, and they're going to use their right. They're to all clear. not going to break well. Yeah, right. they're all not going to break well. It's just a matter of who who's going to go, and how long they can hold that that kind of speed. Because I, I don't think Kizalaw wants to leave. No, no, absolutely not. He does not. And you know Manny's not going to put him out there either. 
at all. Right. He wants to be outside, of course. Precisely. But that's my whole thing, guys. You guys just spent the last four or five minutes talking about pace, 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 pace. But then you don't want to take a closer. What do you think is going to happen at a mile and a quarter? Taking a closer. They're going to stop. No, the the closers are going to stop too. No. <laughs> they're going to, you know what I mean? I mean? Was, like, it's one of those things where the speed horses are are higher quality than the rest of the field. Think, okay. So okay. Unless they unless they all go like five wide around the first turn, a lot of the closers aren't going to run. There there'd probably be one or two of them that. Barry, fire. I think you're sleeping on attachment rate. I know I know he's at my third pick in the race. You know, um, my second pick really. He's not bad. I, I think he, he's going to hit the super, to but be honest. The horses bred top and bottom for the mile and a quarter. Art spun out of an elite Alex Mir. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Bred top and bottom. And I just think he's he's, he's a plot. He's a plotter, but he's going to be plot, plotted himself right to the front. And so, and that, that's, you're, taking, you're talking about attachment rate. Yes, sir. And I wanted to make a case for, if you're talking about speed, 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 okay? And you mentioned, Barry, that the speed in this race has more class than the closers. That makes sense to me. I totally get that. But I believe that there are some closers in here with some class and they have some fight. Everyone knows I've already made it public that I like Enforceable because he's a closer that just keeps on coming. But there's another horse that just got, they snuck him in Mm -hmm. and he's been around this whole time, guys. And he's a deep closer with serious bottom. Now his pedigree might be in question, but if he gets the right setup, it will not matter. South Bend is a horse that has had 12 starts already. Some of those have been on turf, and some of those have been on the main track. And there's been a lot of route races. This is a horse that comes from pretty far back. And everybody forgets he was right there. He almost won the Grade 3 Ohio Derby coming from the clouds. Then he just came back and he ran in the Travers. He didn't really have anything to run into in that race. He still made his move and came on and split the field. Every single time this horse runs, he comes to get you. Every single time. So if you're talking about, I don't want, I can't talk you off your horse, but you just told me that there's going to be much more pace in this race than we may think that's on paper. Right. And when we're talking about a situation like this where we only a handful of the horses have seen a mile and a quarter, only half of them might have the pedigree to get it. Right. And who knows how many have the class to separate themselves from the field. That, to me, just screams one of two things. Tis the law in a romp or absolute friggin' madness when they turn for home. <laughs> and if it's absolute madness when they turn for home, I want a fighter. I want a horse that's yeah. already been out there and been bumped around and come back. Right. So I'm going to throw that out there. South Bend would be another horse that I would totally think of. Maybe not for the win, although I think he might get all the pieces because Bill Mott is that kind of guy. And isn't horse racing the kind of sport? Isn't this the kind of sport uh, where he wins two years in a row in some crazy madness like this? I was going to say, if if anything, that's another one like, uh, you know, how the craziness happened last year. Um, You know, and and to be honest, South Bend kind of favors, you know, the running lines of of, uh, Country House. So it's it's not that far-fetched. Exactly. Thank you. Well, that was that was kind of my reason for looking at uh, at the two max player, uh, not to win, but to definitely get maybe the uh, you know exact or the try or maybe even the supers because 
you know, you got uh, Steve Asmussen. The same thing, remember a couple of years ago with looking at Lee? Oh, yeah, he was a deep, deep closer, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that was kind of what I was looking at. And, you know, he put... I would agree with you if Christopher's boy was still riding. If Christopher's dude was still riding, <laughs> I guarantee you Max Player would run into the exotics. Smooth operator? But, they took off, well, but smooth operator Joe Rosario is not riding. No, he's not. And... Uh, I've never really seen yeah, Santana but, bring a deep closer home. He's usually up kind of close. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. I didn't think about that, but, yeah, that, that makes a good point. Well, Ken, I wanted to ask you. On a, yeah, go ahead, Christopher. Unenforceable. Yes, sir. How do you explain the Louisiana Derby? Because, no, let me tell you why. Okay. I hate the Louisiana Derby because modernists was, you know, first of all, I hate modernists going into the Louisiana Derby because, um, that horse won one version of the, um, I, th I think uh, the LeCompte or something, or the Risen Star was split in two this year or something like that. And yeah. um, Modernist won one version, and yep. and the horse and everything that ran behind Modernist was, you know, was horrible. Modernist finished third in the Louisiana Derby. Yep. You know, Enforceable was mm -hmm. fifth. Yep. So how do you how do you how do you reconcile? This horse making up all those lengths in the Derby. Because I, I mentioned that when I was talking about the fact that the races that he lost in Louisiana were won by lone speed. Wells Bayou got out there, went 23 and 2 for the opening quarter, and then he got 48 for the half, which means he got to slow it down. Yes. Enforceable needs pace. If you've got lone speed out there running around, enforceable is in trouble. But if you can tackle that speed with three, maybe four horses, Enforceable is going to eat your meal. Um, nobody challenged. And the thing that Barry said, I didn't really think about it until I started looking back at these races. Mm -hmm. New York traffic doesn't pass horses. He doesn't. He gets into that spot and he stays there. And that's what he did in the Louisiana Derby. New York traffic just sat right behind Wells Bayou and nothing changed. Guess who sat right behind him? Modernist. And nothing changed. It was a merry-go-round. Right. Yes. Going around the track that day. Nobody made up ground except for two horses. Major Fed and Enforceable. One thing for Enforceable, um, I don't know if you really noticed, but this is the best post position he's had in four races. Yeah, he's always parked way out. He was seven wide in the in the bluegrass. Mm -hmm. He was six wide. In, in both races in Louisiana, or it's all three. Yeah. All three, honest, yeah. Mm -hmm. All three in Louisiana, and he won one. Came a close second. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if his, force, if his uh, form reversed. Um, it's just that those races that he came out of were, were really not that good. A lot no. of those horses, in my opinion, peaked. But it's not to say that he can't now. And he has the, the, the pedigree to do it. And he got a little bit of a break. And, um, you know, when he came back in the bluegrass, that was his first race off of a little bit of a break. And, and he didn't have any pace to run in in that race because it was just Swiss Skydiver and Art Collector. Right. All the way around the track. No, he had, he had and, pace. He had pace, Ken. He had pace in that race. Well, no one else, no one made up any ground in that race. Um, no, he made up ground, but no one else did. Yeah, but he made true. Up right. I think exactly. I think he needed that one though. Yes, yeah, what I'm saying. He needed, he needed that. One. That was his first coming off of the layoff. Right. He needed that. I'm pretty sure a smooth operator took him 
Took him way back. <laughs> took him all the way back was, to the ambulance. He was tent. He was tent. <laughs> he, was tent he, he was back there racing with the paramedics. Yep. And uh, and then he finally decided to start running, and uh, he came on in that particular race. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't have anything to run with. But I mean, here's my thing, though, guys. I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I'm not looking for the best horse. Right. 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 Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's the actually, derby. It's a derby. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for who's going to be able to deal with the circumstances uh -huh. the best, and I'm weighing that with okay, what do I get if they overcome all this madness? What am I going to get in return? Uh -huh. Um. And so that's how I kind of look at this race. But I too, I do understand if you guys are playing pick fours and pick threes, and you're like, you know what? I just want to all my values in the in the earlier races. I just want to get to this and win. And so you know, you single tis the law, I guess, and you hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I would never single that horse here. Yeah, no. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Um, I just kind of wanted to get in and talk about the Derby, get our picks, and get out because we got a whole lot of other stuff to do. Uh, Barry's got to go back to causing trouble on social media, so we'll let him do that. <laughs> Don't worry, we're all causing trouble with you, so it's all fine. All right, <laughs> good trouble, right? The only kind. John Lewis, RIP. That's right. Exactly. All right, guys. Good looking out. Right. Hey, have a great weekend. Good luck. And I'm sure we'll be chatting uh, via social media. And let's get some money somehow. Somehow. Together. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube